at a certain scale, you're like, oh, like there's a job that didn't exist at 30 people that is super necessary at 500 or 1,000. And so those are kind of the folks we're targeting. One characteristic emerged as a significant predictor of success. It was grit. Is Landon playing Dancing Queen as like hold music or like... <laughs> And I was so confused. And then I just like went and grabbed another pair of headphones and I walk in and she's got Spotify up and she's like looking confused because it's playing out of mic and whatever. That's a, kind of the same thing that happens when I have this all the time where either my wife or I am leaving the house and then like, you know, one of us is like on the phone or whatever, or, like on some call. And then like we're leaving the house and the phone hooks to the Bluetooth in the car. And then oh, yeah. <laughs> until you get out of the driveway, you're like here, they're like, hello. And you're like, hi, who is this? What's happening right now? <laughs> yeah, it's like my wife works at Twilio, and this the like CEO was on the like the big quarterly earnings call, right? Yeah, like publicly traded companies do, and the same thing happened to him on the call while he's doing That's the funny. call. His wife gets on the phone and she's driving out. He's like, "Oh, sorry about that." <laughs> yeah, it was like that's like the most I'm you know work from home kind of scenario that you know there's ever been. But well, it's, yeah, it's funny too because like my wife never like. My wife works from home. She's an engineer too. And today they're doing maintenance on our like internet or something. So she's like needed to come to my office to work. And so anyway. For sure. Yeah. I already pushed record by the way, just because we started doing this because a lot of times you have this small talk and you're like, man, we should have talked about that in the podcast. So oh, yeah. I don't know if any of this will be talked about, but but yeah, I mean, it's it's good to... And by the way, everybody that's listening now, this is Derek and he's been on the podcast before. And we wanted to catch up a little bit on what he's been up to, all the the big fundraising and new products and all that kind of stuff. So I guess last time, so last time we talked, we talk all the time, I guess, on like social media and stuff. But last time we, at least on the podcast, you had just sold Median, yep, right, and a lot's happened since then. So <laughs> for those that haven't listened to it, go back and listen to that podcast. There's some really cool stuff around. You know, you guys. You sold the business on MicroAcquire, and then you, like before that, you'd done all this really cool stuff with perpetual licenses, which I thought was really cool. So you made basically like, you know, a million plus dollars on the business over. So you know, how long did you guys have that business? We ran it for just a hair over three years, and then yeah, we kind of did this fell yeah, fell into this perpetual licensing thing where it was kind of like a acquisition, but without an acquisition. And I don't know, it was just I like love a, that story. We we like didn't know what we were doing but in the end we looked really smart but along the way we were like is this the right thing to do maybe totally well i mean it's like unless you hear somebody else talk about that you kind of don't even know that it something like that would exist or that's like an option of a way that you could go so i thought that was a really interesting conversation but regardless in three ish years i mean you made over a million dollars from that business whether it was like through the sale or like through these like perpetual licenses and just like regular revenue, which is amazing. A great outcome for a bootstrap company. So, so yeah. So, okay. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> so fast forward, I guess it's been probably about a year now since we talked and you've started a new business this time going about it a very different way in terms of like, you know, going for some, like a bigger, a bigger problem set and raising money and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, tell us a little bit about what Workshop is first, I guess. Yeah, so Workshop's an internal communications platform, primarily kind of focused on the larger size companies, 500 or 1,000 employees or more, where they, you know, like 
Slack is a little challenging for them to use and that sort of thing. And I, you know, I think we play nicely with things like Slack, but for us, you know, people that are sending out things like internal company newsletters, or they have things like crisis plans and that sort of thing that they need to be able to communicate with people, both via, you know, like their computer, but also a lot of people that don't, a lot of people that we work with don't even have a company email address. So there's kind of a mix of people that are receiving communications via email and Slack and SMS. And so we build a platform that allows you to kind of easily deliver all those sorts of things, get analytics behind them, and kind of do a bunch of cool workflow things behind the scenes to make it easier for someone who's in the role of internal communications or in some companies, you know, HR might own this, to be able to kind of disseminate kind of top-down company-level information to their employees. Totally. So I would assume you guys are going after, or like the target audience for this is like mid-market to enterprise companies, right? Is there like a certain like employee size? Yeah, it's kind of, it kind of depends how tech enabled some of the companies are. Actually, like some of my favorite people that were kind of finding to sell, like it it seems fun to sell to tech companies. And then you're like, oh, like they're actually pretty advanced with a lot of things. (laughs) And then they also have like a million pieces of software for everything. And in some ways, actually like kind of selling to companies that have been around for a while, like are just starting to become more tech enabled or one, easier to sell to and two, don't kind of have the weird demands and expectations that some other people do. So that's kind of where we're most, mostly focused on. But kind of, you know, when, once you get to 500 or 1,000 people and you kind of hire people that are dedicated to internal communications or even internal marketing and that sort of thing, which right. is something that's like foreign to somebody who's you know, a company of 100 or less. But I was a part of LinkedIn when we grew a couple thousand employees. And, you know, same thing with, you know, we did some work with Airbnb and they were like that. And, you know, my, I also worked at a company called Flywheel with my other co-founders, which eventually got acquired and had a thousand employees. And so at a certain scale, you're like, oh, like there's a job that didn't exist at, you know, 30 people that is super necessary at 500 or a thousand. And so those are kind of the folks we're targeting and a little, little different sales cycle than kind of like, you know, self-service and yeah. come sign up on the website and you're ready to go, but just figure out like, hey, you know, all those things we learned from the first business, let's not use any of those and try and figure <laughs> out a new problem. Yeah, no, I get that. So like, how did you guys, how did you come up with the idea for this? I mean, I assume this kind of, well, actually, if I remember correctly, you guys were kind of doing something else or trying something different and then you pivoted or maybe you brought, I don't know if that was a time where you brought on the other co-founders, you know, that were at Flywheel or, you know, how did you guys come up with that? Yeah. So we initially were building some software where those doing kind of meeting management. So like making more actionable and effective meetings. And I still think there's a big need for that. Google had announced some changes to G Suite that kind of looked like it was going to you know, kind of do a lot of those things and kind of give it away for free. Right. And we actually had this weird kind of moment where we were like, well, do we keep going down this path? Because like, if it's Google, it's like there's a you know, 50% chance that people are just going to use it and adopt it and it's going to kill your business. They don't even know you exist and they're going to kill your business before you even <laughs> start, but you won't know for a year. And then, and then the other 50% is like, they're going to build this product and it's going to be like a lot of their other products where it doesn't get traction. No one pays attention to it because they don't really market it because it's not their main thing. And so we kind of came, we had this you know kind of discussion internally where we were like, well, you know, what, what do we want to do? We're really early on. We haven't really, like, we don't have any paying customers yet. We don't even have other than some Photoshop files, basically. We don't have a lot other than some kind of user research we've been doing. Do we want to pivot now or do we want to write it out and then find out in the year that we need to pivot? 
And so we went back and forth a lot. Anyway, I still don't know what the right answer is. We'll find out, I guess, five, <laughs> years, five years from now. But we decided, we're like, well, there's some other things we think are interesting that we don't have these challenges with. And myself and my business partner from Media and Ben just started kind of getting Media off our plate. And our two other business partners that had joined us didn't actually join us until you know, February of this year. So we had been talking to them kind of about like investment or some of these other things before they actually ended up joining. And you know, we kind of all just talked about these different problems. We all kind of like brought up the same problem of internal communications at larger companies separately. And then we're like, well, maybe there's something there. And then and sure enough, I think it over drinks and other stuff. We're like, well, maybe we should do that other thing. So that's, that's kind of how it ended up. Yeah. So that's, you know, a lot of people like, you know, a lot of people are pivoting their businesses and stuff. And then, because I mean, we've done stuff like that. I wouldn't necessarily call it like a straight up pivot to something completely different, but we definitely made some like what I would consider big changes and what like how we did things, you know, the different workflows in the app and stuff and like who we were targeting. But like when you come up with something that you said, all you guys kind of started bringing this up, this problem that you sort of saw, how did that develop from just initially? Like, I, you know, I think there's some room for a product here to like the specific pro like I'm looking right now and you guys have, you know, a number of different features and like it's very it looks very opinionated and like how does that did, did that come through talking to other companies or just sort of like a lot of that came from your experiences in the past with internal communication yeah so i think initially a lot of it came through our experiences with internal communication because we had been part of various companies that had grown had, you know were fast growing and grew to you know i think when i started linkedin it was a couple hundred employees when i left it was nine thousand. And so you saw these challenges and you know, every department ended up, every like business unit had their own internal comms plan and the managers were you know, focused on, you know, how do you disseminate like things like OKRs and that sort of thing to your team and make sure that they're aware of them. And it's kind of a combination of, you know, like making sure it's an email, making sure it, you, the CEO talks about it at the all hands meeting and then managers talking about it one-on-one. -on -one. So we certainly had our own opinions of what I would say like version like 0 0.1 was. But then actually after, you know, we kind of, we took a bunch of designs and kind of put them in front of people. And we got our first couple of customers that way of just saying like, imagine if this was real, would you pay for it? And, <laughs> and you get like that one. Did you get them to pay for it? I mean, some, which is good. It's like some signal. It's like, I feel like people are like, the pre-selling thing is like, everyone's like, if you can do that, it's great. But it is really hard to get totally. someone who's like willing to buy into that vision and take that along. So like, I mean, a lot of people were like, oh, this is cool or give you good feedback, but Right. So yeah, we got we definitely got some that way. Okay, that's a good point because like I mean, we we have always tried to do that stuff too. It's easier to do now when we have like when we first started, we tried to do that and that was difficult, like really difficult to do because we didn't have them as customers. Now when we have like we can go to current customers and kind of pitch them like, "Hey, this is what we're building out for this product. Like, can you help us build it out?" But like, you know, while we're building it out, we need to get essentially paid paid for it, right? In some way, it's easier to do that route. But like, I mean, what did you guys do? Is it like a lower cost type of thing? Is it like, I don't know, like, was it sort of like them paying for devs, you know, con contracting dev services to build this thing out? Like, how did you model yeah. that? So it's kind of a mix. It's, it's kind of like whatever they'd be willing to commit to, we said yes to. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the customers, we they needed to get it like in their next year budget. And we're like, well, most importantly, we you're like, a, like the, I think our very first customer, we were like, you are the exact demographic we're going after. So, but they needed to be able to get it in their budget because you know it's a little bit more involved product. It's, you know, it's like it's not $50 a month and you're paying a thousand dollars or more a month. And, and so 
you know, we went to them and we're like, how about you just use it for free? But we, we want some level of commitment that when this comes up that you're willing to start paying. And it can be something like, so in that case, we had them sign a letter of intent, which was just, you know, at the end of Q1 of 2021, you know, the, we're going to start paying and the price will be this. Now, it's not, my, it's not binding. It's more just like a handshake agreement. Totally, yep. And so, but it gives us confidence. It gives us confidence when talking to investors and other things like that. And so that was certainly something. And also just like early on, because we raised money, the one benefit we had this time versus not that we didn't have with the bootstrapping was like, we have a little bit of time to figure it out. And so if the answer is just get it in the hands of people who aren't going to pay right away, but have some conviction to actually pay that, that was better for us because product velocity is a huge thing for us, especially if we're going a little more upmarket than we were before. There's just a lot of, there's some incumbents that we just need to get to feature parity with. And so, and then also figure out what our key differentiators are. And so that was the biggest thing was like anything that somebody would be willing to commit to, whether it's a handshake agreement or paying a severely discounted rate, we did that. But like the very first customer was a letter of intent. They didn't actually pay until you know, the end of Q1 this right. year, but they were using it every day. We were having like weekly check-in calls and things like that. Gotcha. Well, yeah. So let's talk about the funding piece because, you know, traditionally, or at least in the past, you know, you bootstrapped the businesses. I'm assuming you did that for particular reasons, right? So in this case, you guys didn't do that. What were the reasons why, why you guys chose not to do it? Yeah, I think, so my business partner and I, Ben, when we bootstrapped Median, it was partially because we were like, that was the goal from the start was how do we build something that is a pretty niche product? Like it's, mm-hmm. you're not, it's not going to be a billion dollar company. We were I think, right. pretty self-aware of that, but we like, we thought anyway, that there was enough demand in this small corner of the internet that we could build a decent company that either paid us or that we could sell in a few years for you know, low single digit millions or whatever. And it's funny because like at the beginning we were like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put our own, money in, which it wasn't a lot. We're not going to take salaries for a bit. And then I think we went like 18 months without salaries. And then, you know, in three to five years, we'll ideally sell this business off for low single digit notes. Like that was the goal from the get go. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the very beginning and the very end, you're like, you're like, oh, you guys did exactly what you said you were going to do. But everywhere in the middle, <laughs> we like second guessed ourselves and questioned yep. it. Like we're like, should we raise money? Should we do this other thing? I think you guys have done this too. Yep. This exactly the same. Like, yeah. And so it's like, the, the beginning and the end were like very clear, but the middle was like, we don't know what we're doing. And like, but like, it just like you stay the course long enough and, you know, give yourself a chance to get lucky on some things and hopefully some things bounce your way. And that's what happened with us. But, you know, with this one, we were in a situation where we're like, we're going to go more up market. It's going to be more, you know, mid market to enterprise type sales. So the sales cycles are long. We think there's a bigger opportunity. You know, Ben and I had kind of a nice single with the first business. And so, we didn't, you know, necessarily need to worry about, you know, kind of like the, our day-to-day expenses again. And so we we're like, all right, what's the what's the thing that we can do to level up? And so, you know, we potentially could have bootstrapped again. And I still love bootstrapping. I think it's the right thing for a lot of people. And like, honestly, I think you know, percentage-wise, I think it probably works out the best, if, especially if you have the ability to kind of write it out. But we wanted to go big, and so we we're like, we have the opportunity to do that when we when our two other business partners, Dusty and Rick, who joined us from Flywheel, they were the two of the three founders from there. They had, you know, raised money with that company, had a really nice exit. I mean, they, they grew to 250 employees or so and then sold to WP Engine in 2000, into two, or middle of 2019. 
and they were there for 18 months or so. And, you know, they had a nice return for all their investors and all that other stuff. And so when we were kind of getting the band back together and deciding what to do again, we we're like, all right, let's, you know, do it again. Like, let's, let's try and go big. And, you know, they had already been kind of used to doing that. And Ben and I were willing to, you know, now do that as well. And so the four of us got together and we're like, all right, let's do this. And it certainly helps to raise money when, you know, Dusty is the, is our CEO and, he made a bunch of people a bunch of money in the past and you raise money off of text message. Like I certainly couldn't have done that. Totally. Uh, he, just, he just sends text messages to all the old investors like, hey, do you want to make some money again? And they're like, yeah, sure. How much can I put in? And so for me, I always joke that like before they were kind of like involved with the company, I would talk to an investors about it. And they'd be like, oh, this sounds interesting. Yeah, keep us updated on your progress. And then, and then Dusty comes in and he sends a couple of text messages to some of the same people that I had talked to. And they were like, yeah, we're in. Let's do it. And I'm like, if this didn't, I would be offended if this didn't personally <laughs> benefit me quite a bit because he was the face of the the previous company and made a bunch of money. And, you know, we didn't have investor level returns with the previous company, but he certainly did. And with him running the company, it just, it was just different. It, yeah. it really was just easy to raise money too. Like we could just get back to work right away. Yeah. The interesting thing. So when we, at our previous company, before we started our business, Kyle and I were at another company and we'd gone out to raise twice so we had bootstrapped it to like i think it was like 600k then we went out to raise kind of like a seed or a series a we got offers we ended up not doing it then we kept growing organically till we got to 2 million then we went to raise again you know hopefully with better terms and stuff decided not to do it after we got a few offers again same thing anyways the point was is when we went and did that stuff and then like once we went down the path to potentially get some offers from these vcs they would come in, they'd meet with like every single like person on the leadership team and just like, especially me because I was running sales and they would grill me hard on all okay. of that, all kinds of stuff. Now, like what you just mentioned, right? Like sending some text, boom. I mean, maybe not even the pitch deck, right? It's like, hey, we're going to do this thing. Here's oh yeah, the, I don't think our lead investor ever saw our pitch deck. Yeah, here's like the terms, right? It's like, you know, here's a convertible note. Here's the cap, whatever. Are you in? Yeah, like I'll put in, you know, 50k or like whatever. And I just I just made an investment in a company and it was almost the same thing. Like he just sent he just sent an email and he's like, "Here's the pitch deck with the, you know, the terms of the convertible note. Let me know if you're interested." And like he got all these people including myself and we just like, yeah, like just send us the terms whatever that we can sign and we'll wire the money over. And I'm like, what is going on right now? This is different. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's, the landscape is weird. And like with those guys having a, a you know big kind of pretty public exit that looked nice, like there's kind of like our, the VP of finance from Flywheel had said, and he he came from a background where they had, like he was from Boston to raise a bunch of money with different companies there. And he's like, you have one time in your life to raise off of reputation alone, and it's after you just sell a previous company for a lot of money. And yep. so take advantage of that. It didn't mm-hmm. like. Ben and I didn't have that luxury, but with you know Dusty and Rick on board, we certainly did. And so we're just riding the coattails of those guys with, <laughs> with that fundraising. That's nice. Well, yeah, the thing about it is like when people discuss like bootstrapping or taking money, the I think the assumption is that if you're taking money, you're giving up a ton of equity and you're giving up control and all these different things, which maybe in some cases, I mean, in a lot of cases, people are. But I think now, especially like in the last year, you know, money has gotten very cheap in like in the SaaS funding market. And then you add on top of that, like all of your co-founders, including you, have all had successful outcomes prior to this. So and you know, obviously theirs were were huge. So then the money even gets cheaper. So all of a sudden it's like, you know, it's not 
like it's not like the the assumption anymore. It's like, oh, you know, we're not giving up much equity at all and we're getting a significant amount of money. Like, why would you not? If if you like the investors and you, you know, want them on your side, then why not take money for, you know, a tiny cut of the the business versus the typical like 20, 30% or whatever. Yeah, and you can be more picky too. And it's like, because I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of most investors that I've chatted with in the past versus, right. versus a lot of the, the folks that are on our cap table are, you know, they're like product people. They're like, they're not actually like typical like finance mm-hmm. bros or whatever. They're actually like actually add value and actually care about the product and things like that. Whereas, you know, I think a, a lot of them are not that way. And I, right. you know, I would say I tend to, you know, not enjoy most conversations with the VCs I've had previously, but the ones that are on our cap table, I really do like. And so, yeah, it's like, and also like, I think realistically, like you said, money is cheap right now. There's also like, I, I don't know what the next couple of years are going to be with like the economy and all this other stuff. So if anything, we can kind of have like, you know, dry powder there right. in case, you know, there's some doubt, downturn and we need to kind of weather a storm. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, take the money while it's cheap. And then, you know, if I don't know, market crashes tomorrow, and you need to write things out for a year or two, like you have the money in the bank to be able to do that. Whereas if you didn't have that money raised already, you'd have a bad time probably. Right. A lot of these public companies that they took advantage of basically what was going on in the markets and the interest rate in the past year. I know like Twilio raised more, they raised more money and then they took like a billion dollars and loans and stuff like they did all these different things to get more money in because it was so cheap and now they can just ride it out for you know oh yeah 10 15 years they are i mean they're so yeah i i totally get that yeah i mean i think me and kyle talk about this all the time but it's like as i don't know what we would do the next time let's you know imagining that we would have like a good outcome where we make you know like you said a couple like you know, multi-million, like low multi-million dollars if we sold the company or something down the, you know, a couple of years down the road. And on one side, it's like you have more money now. So you, you don't really have to worry. Like you could not take a salary for, you know, a year or whatever. And it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Like it was last time we did that. Yep. <laughs> but then, you know, I don't know. It's something that we kind of like wrestle over all the time, but it's cool to see you guys doing it. And yeah, I'd love to like, okay, so now that you've done it, so you've taken money, you got all this cash in the bank. You've probably never seen that much cash in the bank before when you're, you know, running a business. So you're like, what do I do with that cash, right? So yep. what what are you guys doing with that and, you know, how's that gone? I mean, well, we've got a mini fridge for the office, so that's a pretty big expense. Boom. You know, it's like a big deal. No, I think for us we mostly are focused on we we hired a couple of, you know, pretty top-notch product people that that we'd worked with in the past. And actually some new folks that we found that were pretty interesting and Again, because like because there was kind of a public exit with Dusty and Rick that we were able to kind of attract some talent that it's like that was pretty interested in the next thing that we're doing and wanted to be a part of the the new thing. And but it's also kind of funny because like you see things like that and people are like, I want to be a part of like an early stage startup. Right. And they're like, I, I really like that. I like, you know, I want to get equity in like, you know, potentially kind of like a free lottery ticket. But you know, because of COVID, it kind of rapidly increased the opportunities for developers to be able to work remote. And so it's kind of funny because like engineering salaries, like we're in Omaha, Nebraska, like engineering salaries for an engineer in Omaha are now like, I don't know, 20 or 30% more than they were pre-COVID because everyone, you know, anyone in the Bay Area who wants to hire a dev who wouldn't have previously hired remote people now is. And and my my wife's an engineer too. So like we, we see this in my house where I'm like, as a, as a business owner, that stinks. As the (laughs) husband of an engineer, that's nice. 
and so there's like this weird conflicting thing. But so yeah, we certainly we're spending on you know kind of product engineering talent upfront, and then you know we're doing you know doing a bunch of tests with like running ads and like doing or like are we going to do events and what do events even look like kind of like coming out of COVID and that sort of thing. So we're doing a bunch of growth sprints with tests and things, and like you know, certainly we're you know throwing some of that money into the you know the Facebook ad fire and never seeing it again. And then some of it we're seeing some traction with. And so a lot of it's just, you know, trying to figure out where, like, what's the repeatable way to bring in leads that actually convert and that sort of thing. And so that's the biggest thing. We're trying to hurry up and get to the point of what is the repeatable process. So I'd say engineering talent and then trying to build, like, what is a repeatable sales pipeline process look like? And, And certainly... Some of that is just throwing money at, not saying throwing money at ads because we're actually trying to be really scientific about it. But you know, certainly you got to kind of figure out what doesn't work before you figure yeah, out. Yeah, you have anything on the marketing side is essentially like just experiments to figure out which experiments seem to work better, and you don't really know until you do it. So you have to throw, you do have to throw some money at these different things. But yeah, yeah so on the ads front, like, what are you guys doing? Because we're so, always kind of trying to figure that stuff out too. We're going really heavy into, we're creating a bunch of resources for both HR folks and internal comms professionals that are kind of like email gated downloads, which are like, mm-hmm. you know, what does a weekly CEO update look like? If you're a CEO that sends an update to the entire company each week of like what your top priorities are, which a lot of folks do, you know, what's a template for that that people will download? We have, oh, cool. you know, templates and resources for like internal communication surveys, like, a lot of people are now kind of coming out of COVID or and trying to figure out like what does a hybrid model look like in their company of like some in office, some not, and what are the challenges for communicating with their teams internally. So, you know, a lot of people are running surveys on like with their team of like what is working, what isn't working. So we created a lot of resources for the kind of what we would say are the key people that we would we think are our target demographic and putting that. So we have a like if you go if like on our website, if you go to our resource page, there's just a whole bunch of resources that we're trying to figure out. Yeah. And then like some of those resources, like we thought were going to be like the exact thing that like our key demographic would need. And like, and no one will even respond to an email or, or call from them. And other ones you're like, oh, I don't think that one's like going to perform as well. And it performs way better. And you're just like, I don't, I don't even know. And so you're certainly just testing a bunch of those things, but yeah, we're doing a lot of that. And then, and then we're advertising, like those resources get tons of downloads. Like we get really, oh yeah. I mean, we have a return of the office resource thing. That's like a return yep. of the office survey and like an employee engagement action plan and all this stuff. And we probably get at this point, which is funny because we never captured any emails at media and we didn't do any marketing because it was just like, <laughs> it's like, it feels like you're taking money out of your own personal pocket. Yep, ex- exactly. But I mean, we're, you know, we're capturing 50 to 75 new emails a day and all Damn. people that are like kind of reasonably within the target demographic of what we want. And now we're still trying to figure out how do we convert those to, yeah, paying customers. But, you know, there's certainly demand for a lot of these resources that we just went like, literally, I'd say like the first month before we like officially launched was just building resources. So right. that way you just open it up. And there's just like a library of resources that people would find useful. So you're directing, you're getting most of this from from ads, right? These are like essentially landing pages for ads. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing something. And now we're starting to very early, it's very early on, but we're starting to rank pretty decent SEO wise for some of them as well. And Jamie, who's our VP of marketing, is just killing it with these downloads. Like, and we have a, we bought an email newsletter to kind of like kick off the business that was kind of like target demographic of 
folks that we have like for a couple grand and happy happy monday happy we re, we rebranded it to the, the happymondayclub.com and people love that like if nothing else people just like yeah. love that from like a branding perspective yep. can i have a shirt by the way <laughs> i mean you put me on the spot. yeah no i don't have a shirt yet because they're all in our vp of marketing is in sacramento so she had a whole okay. set to her house but when i get a shirt you'll get a shirt yeah, I'll, I'll send you. We just made a made with grit shirt that we got. We have like some new artwork that we had commissioned for like the. It doesn't actually say anything about the podcast. It just says like made with grit, twenty four by seven, like something like it's it's a cool shirt. I think it's a cool shirt. But yeah, we can swap. Yeah, we could yeah, trade. I would say I don't even think our Happy Monday the shirt this is Happy Monday on it, it says workshop on it anywhere. Yeah, which is maybe Perfect. good, maybe bad. I don't know actually. No, no, it's good. People just want the. You know, most people don't want that your your logo on there, anyways. Yeah. No, this is really this is interesting. I actually haven't I haven't seen somebody go about this strategy that way of like having. Now we should have done this at user feed before we sold it, but we had I don't know if you remember this, and I think actually I think the reason we ever connected was because I was putting content out like this. But I was we would yeah, basically you, you mentioned us in the blog post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was like the start of like creating these intercom what I would call like intercom use cases. So like it was the campaign was essentially like basically exactly what you guys are doing, which is like writing out some sort of intercom use case, whether it had anything to do with our product or not. It was obviously the target audience were people that use intercom. And so showing them things that they probably wouldn't know just right out, you know, by they were, they were kind of like little niche use cases or things that most people don't know about. And we would basically go through and put some template out, but it was just like free on our blog. And now seeing this, I'm like, oh my god, we should have been, we should have been advertising and sending people to these. Like, are you guys using any tools to basically create these as, like, a resource that's behind, like, an email? It's like an email gated thing. Yeah, we're yeah. using we're using HubSpot for it. Which okay, I'm like, I both love and hope and hate HubSpot at the same time because like they make it. Like, you, I think you talked about this on the last podcast or the one before. It was like they make it incredibly easy Pensive. for you to like get in the door and not pay yeah. very much. And then they have like, I don't know, 20 different ways to all of a sudden make you pay 10 times as much. Same with intercom. It's the same thing. Oh, it's like, yeah, I'm aware. And so like yeah. from a business perspective, I'm like, oh, that's really smart. And, <laughs> but from a customer standpoint, I'm like, ah, oh, man, are you serious right now? Yeah, exactly. And then you get so like, it, they make it so easy to get in the door and they get super locked in. Cause you're like, like, I don't know, a year down the road when it starts costing a ton of money, like the ability for you to switch becomes really, like it's a real project to switch and so it's just you're pretty locked in and again smart business tactic but but as a consumer it's you know not great does hubspot just curious did you guys sort of design i mean you designed it but like did you build out sort of this interface for like getting these templates and like accessing all the templates or was that is there like a hubspot cms for this this is not my area of expertise on this but like (laughs) we mostly build out the templates like in so if you download any of our templates they're just in either excel or word or like a pdf okay download but then we just put them behind a hubspot form that you just you know ask for your email address or for certain ones it'll ask for like a phone number and stuff too which depending like if it's if it's a really high intent one that people are really going to be okay with like asking we ask for a phone number but yeah it's all just behind a form but then what they end up with is yeah like a, a word doc or a you know, google sheet template and so each one has like three different file types that you can download so whatever yeah this is, is so it's not like it's like don't do any like crazy software it's just right it's like literally like a shared google doc yep this is awesome and then we just like lock down the editing privileges on it or it has just like a, a word file that they download right after it huh 
This is crazy. The fact that you're getting like almost 100 email subscriptions a day. Is that what you said? I think probably between 50 and 75. Jeez. Yeah, that's and, awesome. And, now, and like I said, now we're getting an okay amount that are just organic. Right. Because some of those high search volume ones are pretty good. And so over time, I think it's one of those things we're trying to invest in some content marketing SEO pretty early on because probably take it takes a while. Oh yeah. It's like two years from now. We'll be, I mean, it's like whatever the best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago. The second best yep. time was today sort of thing. So, so yeah, I mean, we're trying to do that from day one and hopefully two years from now we thank ourselves for doing that. And by ourselves, yeah. I mean, Jamie, not me. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> do any of that. Yeah. I would love to pick her brain on this stuff. This is, I never even, I never thought to like put these behind an email log or not a login, but like a email submission and then, like run ads against it. I didn't really think about that. And that would have worked, I think, pretty pretty well for us. And it could work well for... So actually, it's funny. I was, I was mentioning investing in a company. The company that, that we're, I'm working with is in the HR recruiting space as well. And they're going after the exact same companies you guys are. So I'll, I can make that intro yeah, offline. Awesome. But yeah, they're, do, they're doing really well. And like I think it'd be interesting for you guys to connect. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But yeah, this is all... Super interesting. So like, I guess my last question would be, what are the, it looks like you guys have a, a sales rep. Like, are you guys already, are you guys already closing deals and, and moving yeah. through that? Or are you still in kind of like the building the product out like phase? I mean, that's forever, but like, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Like a little timeline on stuff. So we sold median for the final time, I guess, in October of 2020, 2020. And and then we had a transition period where we, uh, Ben and I went through December 15th, I think was the final kind of like day of like our commitments we had there for wrapping that up. And then we kind of early on started like, you know, having some conversations and things like that. And we took a little time off over the, over Christmas and not holidays and stuff. And then Dusty and Rick from Flywheel joined us on February 1st was their first day officially. And then we actually had Jamie or VP of marketing and Jess, who's, a sales rep who also does sales alongside of me and is much better than I am, which is why we hired her. They all started February 1st. So February 1st is kind of the day we like kind of made a public announcement. And there were some things going on behind the scenes. Like we we're still like kind of working like nights and weekends on some stuff. And like, yeah, February 1st was really kind of the, like the first day. And then April 5th, I think was the day we kind of like launched to the public. But yeah, I mean, we have, you know, 10 or so companies using the platform that kind of range from, you know, on the small end, you know, like a hundred employees on the largest end, you know, close to a thousand. And then, and then we have some kind of really interesting, more like complex deals in the pipeline, which I mean, I'll be completely honest. Like, I think this is like new for me. I'm not a salesperson to trade period. And I'd say one of the most challenging things for me is like learning on the fly, like how to build a scalable sales team while I'm also trying to learn how to do like real sales myself. And so that's yeah, probably the most stressful thing, but yeah. So, I mean, we probably have 10 people on the platform right now and then, some kind of larger kind of cool companies that I think are in the pipeline that I'm hoping to close in the next you know quarter or so that you know all of a sudden revenue starts stair stepping pretty pretty quick. But from zero in April to ten customers that are paying a reasonable amount of money a piece, I think feel pretty good about that so far. But totally. just need to figure out I mean a lot of the, like early ones are like, you know, some of your friends of friends connections and that sort of thing, which will take yeah. all day every day. But you know, the biggest thing is like I, we need to make it repeatable and and that's what we're focused on. And I think that's the biggest thing that kind of like keeps us all up at night right now. Cause it's like, we took venture money. It's like, this is like, it needs to be a venture scale return. And so we're up for that challenge, but it's also the most stressful thing about it too. Just, I, it was kind of funny. Cause like we were at least able to pay ourselves from the get go this time, but 
just different stressors and people always say that, but it's oh, certainly yeah. is. And so now I'm like, well, shit, like, do they know I don't know how to do sales? Did they know that when they gave us money? <laughs> so you know how to do it. You'll be fine. On the sales front, you're capturing a ton of leads. What are you doing with those? Like, are you emailing that like sales, like sending sales emails, like personalized emails, or are you like hitting them with like more content or what are you doing with those? Yeah, it depends. So all of them get some version of a kind of like a sequence that happens afterwards. So we kind of subscribe everyone to the Happy Monday Club newsletter, which is just kind of like once a week, we send kind of the top five articles and interesting things that we've read about employee engagement or internal communications or human resources. Each week, people love it. Like people just love that newsletter, especially folks in that industry. Mm -hmm. And that's more just like a branding thing. It's not like it's super soft sales stuff. Like it doesn't, there's no call to action or anything. And then the stuff that's more high intent, like if somebody downloads like the internal communication survey template, like that's like, like you can tell they're probably in the middle of like trying to you know, do something, survey <laughs> yeah. people about internal comms. And you're like, that's probably more relevant, like to an action that we would like a buying action that would happen in the near ish future. So we'll follow up with a sales cadence to that person. I reach out to every single person individually in a custom way. And after your last email, I can't say that like you went to UGA. That's so cool. you like, because I, because <laughs> people don't care about that. See, I'm learning even from the there podcast. Go. There you go. <laughs> and so like, I reach out to all those people individually and then they kind of run through a cadence through HubSpot, which is you know, the sales sequence stuff in HubSpot yep. are similar to Mixmax. And so yeah. we do that. And so it just kind of depends. Like if they download a, what we'd consider a more high intent piece of, one of our more high intent resources, we'll send them kind of personalized follow-ups. And, mm -hmm. and if it's, it has a phone number, there's like a part of it, like there's a task for me to call, call them and that sort of thing right. too. But other kind of lower intent things that are more kind of long tail, we have just kind of like occasional marketing emails that we send them and we subscribe to our Happy Monday Club email, which... Are you doing like retargeting ads? Yeah, a little bit. To those people? Yeah, it depends on which ones they download, but we're doing that a little bit for the higher intent stuff. Okay, Cool. You mentioned that you guys purchased the newsletter. I can beep this out if you don't want it on. But did you? What did you guys pay for that? Or like, what was like the range? I'm just curious, like, what something like that cost? Yeah. So it was under a different name. So I don't think anybody actually would even know what it is anyway. It was under a different name, it was, but it was focused on HR people, and it had six thousand subscribers, I think, when we okay. bought it. And then, but it was like wasn't like the highest of engagement with that, but it was okay. And it was just kind of a way to jumpstart the people that we were going to reach out to. I don't even, I can't remember where I found it, Yeah, it was but it was like, there, there's like, there's some marketplace that's like for buying and selling newsletters, but there were like, oh, set, there are only like seven newsletters on it total. <laughs> it's not like micro acquire where there's just like, I don't know, like a ton of businesses on it on yeah. any time and a ton of buyers. But I think we ended up paying like 4,000 bucks for it or something. That's totally worth it. Yeah. And it was like, he originally asked like 10, then we saw the engagement where like, it's pretty low and like, the guy like was he was like I'm not I haven't done anything with this in a while and whatever else and so, so you're base you're basically just buying a list of emails essentially yeah right? it was a list of emails that were in the target demographic that we had but also had some level of engagement with this existing thing so it wasn't right. like it's a little bit different than just buying like a like a cold email lead list because they had been used to it so like the first email they we subscribed send, yeah they subscribed they opted in and so the first email we send is like you know, XYZ newsletter is now Happy Monday Club. And then we just continue to do it. Honestly, we put better branding on it. We, I think we just did a better job of curating some content. And then we added, so we had 6,000 people on the list. And then since then we've added, there's like 15,000 people on it now, which is, wow. you know, I think we're 
really good at getting getting people on that list. There's not there's not a big ask. It's just like sign up for this newsletter and like we'll send you relevant content. Yep. So yeah, that's no, the I, biggest I, thing. And it's like I mean to be to be determined if that was like the right thing, but it certainly wasn't. You know, we raised three and a half million dollars. Four thousand. Like, yeah. Could we gamble four thousand dollars on this? Yes. Like, sure, sure. No, I mean, well, you're gonna spend like thousands of dollars a month on advertising alone. Oh, yeah. So yeah. like four thousand dollars is not like I was actually. That's surprising. I was thinking it was going to be more than that. Well, we weren't, that wasn't necessarily the plan was to do that. We were just trying to figure out like, what are interesting ways to like not yep. start from zero yep. or, or like have a big boom and like try and do something like where we capture a decent amount of emails like right away. And I had thrown out the idea. I was like, what could we just buy a newsletter? Cause like, and, and we looked at like Slack communities and stuff too, mm-hmm. cause there's yep. some Slack communities for people ops leaders. And we, so we explored some of that and I, it was kind of like my, my side project for a little bit. Yep. And actually kind of going through my experience with micro acquire of like how easy it was to kind of like list that and like just get in touch with it. I was like, a newsletter's gotta be way easier than that, right? And it and it was, except for the part that there just weren't any anywhere near as many to kind of to like look through and right. potentially acquire. But yeah, I mean it was like I just emailed this guy and I said, Would you be interested in selling it? I saw you had it listed and he was like, Yeah, and it was just like a single guy and, and we talked to him and we got it done in like two days and that's awesome. The point where I had to like, we couldn't send money out of our bank account. Like in, we could only send like, because our bank account was new. So we could only send them like two grand at a time. So I had to send them like $2,000 one day and then $2,000 like the next day, like using like Zelle or whatever it yeah. is. So it seemed like the sketchiest transaction, I'm sure, but it was funny. Drug money. No, I mean, this is like, this is definitely like a trend that's happening though. A lot of these big SaaS companies, I mean, it's basically like, what are SaaS companies good at doing? They're good at monetizing things. And what, these like, I mean, on a larger scale, some of these big newsletters, like they, they're really good at content. They're not so good at, at monetizing, like media in general is, is bad at monetizing. They will monetize through ads and stuff. And so like, you know, like HubSpot just, they bought the hustle. What was the other one? Business Insider bought Morning uh, Brew. Yeah. yeah. Like you're, I'm, I'm sure it's happening in other spaces. And I've, I think that's a really good idea, especially if you can get a deal like that, where it's, Four thousand. I would a hundred percent pay four thousand dollars for that. I'd pay a lot more than four thousand dollars. Hopefully, nobody's listening that I want to buy it from. But <laughs> yeah, well, it just depends. Like for us, we weren't sure. Like we we would have paid ten if we logged in. He had six thousand subscribers, yeah. and they were all and the open rates were crazy, or like the engagement was high, or whatever. But you know, like the open rates were like I don't know. Instead of twenty percent, they were like I don't know twelve percent, and then the right. click through rates were like. I don't know, whatever they were, but like not awesome. And then like we had to look at like how many people are using business email addresses versus like a random Gmail address, like a business email address is worth a little bit more to us. So yeah, I mean, it was just like, you know, we're just, we didn't know how to value it neither did he. And so we're like, and this for us, it was a complete gamble. Like we're like, this could be completely worthless. We have no idea. And I would say like, actually like the quality of the people that came from the first, from the list that we bought, it's like fine. It's not great. It didn't like just like, transform the business. But by any means, I'd actually say it's like, if we were asked if we were going to do it again, I'd say like, yeah, probably, but it wasn't like an absolute yes. Right. Yeah. I think it's also an interesting, I never really thought about it till just now, but it's probably an interesting way to actually start a business. If you want to get into like a SaaS business is to sort of pick a market or like an industry that you're really interested in or interested in building something in and go buy, like start the business by buying a newsletter or a community or something like that in that space. And then just, I mean, engaging in it and like figuring out what you're going to build in it based on like a lot of the conversations that are happening and your access to those people in the community. 
and then once you build it like now you have a i mean you already have like a an audience to like go try to sell stuff to i totally so, agree i like I our newsletter if you look at our newsletter it's it's i think it's good but it's mostly just because we curate like good articles but like if i were to start this tomorrow and i was just like a one-person bootstrap business what i would do is I would do exactly what our email newsletter is, but I wouldn't buy it. And so like ours was like HR newsletter. And mm-hmm. but there's a bunch of Slack communities that have like Lattice has one that's like 10 or 15,000 people in it. I would just create a ConvertKit landing page, which is all this guy had before. And then I would go in to like whatever people geeks is a Slack room. And I would say, mm-hmm. hey, I have this newsletter and I send out five really interesting like articles a week. You don't even have to write anything. All you have to do is like drop the link to the five interesting articles a week probably takes you 20 minutes and like just bookmark things as you see them come across like Twitter or LinkedIn or yep. whatever and send it out once a week. And after we bought the newsletter and I would drop that into some of these Slack channels, like we probably got a couple hundred subscribers just from saying, Hey, we have a newsletter for people that are like you. All, yep. it, all you have to do is put in your email address and then we send it to you each week. Yeah. And it helps you do your job better. Like, and they <laughs> were just like, oh, yeah. they're like, like, even if they don't pay attention to it, which yeah. I'm sure a lot of people in newsletter, you know, that, everybody does that with newsletters sometimes but like they're gonna do it because like i feel bad like i need to do this because i need to get better even if you know that's why they like go people go get master class they pay for that for master class and then they never use it like myself and but you have it still because you're like well i could i should i could and i should be so i'm gonna i could learn how to do barbecue from aaron franklin (laughs) yeah it's just like a gym membership it's the same thing like this is what's good for me and i should have this but, but I yeah. just don't use it as much as... I mean, but, yeah. you, but just drop in five articles a week. It's just like, you basically just make a list. Like if you, like, I think on the previous podcast, you mentioned like, like signing up for like a sales related newsletter, like, or that'd be interesting. If you're going to build a product in the sales space, but you wanted to start with just like a list of yep. salespeople, just say, I'm going to send you five really interesting articles about sales and sales trends and sales technology each week. And there's a landing page. I guarantee you could get a ton of people to sign up for it. It takes some time. Yep. And you have to be consistent trying to build the audience at first. But like, it's not that much time. I bet if you spent an hour a day on it, less than that, probably half an hour a day, and then 20 minutes, like curating the top five list each week. Like if you did that for two months straight, you could probably have a thousand people on that list. Yep. No, I agree. I used to do that for Adderform, like in the early days when... We didn't really have a product yet. And, you know, Kyle's building all this stuff out. And I'm like, what the heck do I do? We don't have a product yet. So I better go build an audience and like start sending yep. stuff out. So, but I kind of like lost, I just lost touch. We started working on user feed a lot. And like, I just kind of like spent my time over there. So I need to get that ramped back up. But I was just thinking too, in the sales tech world, there was this company did like events, they did content. They probably had a newsletter. It's called Sales Hacker. They were acquired by, who was it outreach at some point so like this is happening a lot like this is like this is definitely a trend that's happening a lot so it's interesting that's cool that you guys did that well yeah i mean i think probably getting here to the end of the time this has been awesome derek i will post links to everything pertaining to derek and workshop but what's the url for workshop useworkshop.com gotcha cool yeah and again, like if you want to, if you want to listen to Derek on previous podcasts, just scroll down the list of podcasts and look for something titled "Perpetual Licenses," and you'll find find it. <laughs> but thanks, Derek. This has been awesome, and yeah, I guess that's a wrap. Thanks, man. All right, see you.